Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. We should have known better. We should have known better than to hope. How else was this going to turn out? There was no other outcome outside of the worst possible outcome. I'm not sure what subject you're talking about at the moment. That could be a couple things. Oh boy, is this episode going to be spirited. Boy, we went from zero content to four months to everything in 24 hours. Listen, hockey world, hockey gods, hockey universe, whatever you want to call it. We do two episodes a week. We're going to try and do this two episodes a week for as long as possible. Throw us a bone and spread the news out a little bit. We had uh, four episodes probably worth of content that came out since, what, 3 p.m. yesterday? We asked the um, <laughs> we asked the hockey god uh, McDonald's worker for extra hockey content on our hockey content burger, and they gave us all of the hockey content that they had in the store or in their McDonald's and put it on the burger. It is just overflowing with a comedic amount of content the lid on the bottle broke when they went to pour it and then they squeezed out everything that was left yeah i I just made a jerking moment motion on camera so i'm glad these are on youtube wouldn't be the first i mean that's typically how it goes brad oh boy welcome to the winged wheel podcast i'm ryan hannah i'm gonna try and be calm come on evan Hi, I'm Evan. <laughs> Having a bad fucking night, let me tell you. <laughs> I don't get not allowed to swear. Just having a bad night. There's a there's a, a lot of new listeners on this episode, and uh, for those of you who are wondering, who are guessing to yourselves, oh, why is this Evan guy um, upset? Is it the lottery or is it Blashill? Um, a little spoiler for you: it's neither. Uh, he shot a over 50 on nine holes today, and that's what Evan's mad about. And that's all you need to know about Evan. Yeah, I had one par. One. One par. And that's Evan's golf allotment for this episode. All right. On, <laughs> on the most jam-packed episode, we are probably going to have until late June and then random date. Uh, We are going to be talking, of course, about the decisions that were announced by the NHL last night regarding the expanded playoffs and most more importantly to our listeners, the draft lottery. We are going to be talking about the news that came out today as Eisenman uh, had his uh, press conference, his at-home press conference, um, which is that Jeff Blashill is projected to return as head coach of the Detroit Red Wings for the extra year or the last year on his contract that option and if are we gonna do a draft profile today is that i haven't even i haven't even looked at the list if you want to i'll do it i'm ready i we we might do a draft profile today honestly we might not but something else that we are going to do is announce some contest winners so for those of you who listened to last episode you'll note that i said if we get a decision between sunday and wednesday night 
we would give away a jersey on this episode and we got every decision that could possibly be decided right now short of actually officially naming larkin captain um so we're going to give away a jersey and we of course have our um patreon giveaways um sponsored by born to dan hard on twitter um that's a three-tier giveaway so three more winners in addition to the jersey winner are going to be announced on this episode and that'll come later I want to do this big lead in. I want to do like some funny jokes, tell some stories. I don't know. I can't do anything besides dive right into this. I think we just have to tackle it. It's going to be a meaty one. Um, for those of you who are watching on YouTube and you're wondering if the um, uh, Matt Stafford jersey that I'm wearing right now is some kind of symbolism for being like perpetually hurt. And you're uh, over your football time. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll play hardball. <laughs> I actually, I wasn't expecting that. That's I respect that. Okay. Um, you know what? Yesterday, or this started on the weekend or Monday, I believe it was, when Bob McKenzie tweeted out uh, some projected draft lottery um, formats. And he kind of called what was going to happen to a T, which leads you to believe that he didn't just predict what was going to happen. He had some pretty good information. He was just kind of putting it out there. And then slowly, the major insiders started to talk about this as well. Um, And a couple people also kind of corroborated the same thing. Some New York-based people, I have to look up their names to make sure um, that I credit them properly. But they announced it as well. Um, And then you saw a lot of, like, preemptive water carrying from, like, you know, the the biggest names uh, in Hockey Insiders are saying, oh, can't wait for people to overreact to this one. Or, oh, people are going to be, like, arbitrarily upset about this one. I went, oh, my God, this is going to be so bad. This is going to be so bad. They're already trying to quell the fires. This is going to be god-awful. The NHL announced their official draft lottery plans. Original pick odds remain for not just the bottom seven teams, but all 15 teams in the draft lottery. For those of you who are counting at home, that's 18.5% for Detroit, uh, and a cumulative 25% for Ottawa, which is 135 from their own pick and 115 from San Jose's pick. That's just the bottom seven. The next eight teams retain their original lottery odds. And you might be wondering, how are there going to be eight teams when 24 teams total are in this expanded playoff uh, system that they, they confirmed? Um that's where it gets worse not only are these eight teams being allowed to double dip between the draft lottery and the nhl playoffs some of them being given drastically increased chances at moving on like montreal who had like a two percent chance of making the playoffs and now have uh what do you want to call it 30 40 percent chance of beating pittsburgh not only is that the case say montreal upsets pittsburgh arguably one of the best teams in the nhl seventh overall Pittsburgh, under the system, would then potentially be allowed to get one of the top three picks. How would that work? They are not assigning teams for uh, lottery spots 8 through 15. No, they're assigning placeholder picks. Teams A through H or whatever it is. Can, yeah, A through you, H. Yeah. 
before you continue and finish the explanation, and then I go on my what will surely be 45-minute rant about why this is awful, stupid, and irritating, has the NHL given a good reason why they're doing placeholder spots instead of just waiting two weeks till the teams are assigned? We know the answer to that, Brad. Money because they're going to have a phase two drawing? It's money because they have some kind of event in June because hockey's not going to come until at least August. They said some ca- late July. Some kind of event in June. And then they're going to have potentially a second event if uh, a placeholder team wins. And we're going to double back so you understand that in a second in case uh, you're lost. And I wouldn't blame you if you are. It took me a while to figure out their bullshit. Um, and then they have the draft. It's 100% money. So they're assigning spots 8 through 15 as placeholder teams. If these placeholder teams win a top three pick, any one of them, and it could be all three, picks 1, 2, and 3 could all go through to teams who are ranked 8 through 15th, then there is going to be a second lottery with the eight losers from this play-in, quote-unquote, and we'll tackle, that's a whole different issue that we'll tackle later on. The eight losers from this play-in round are then entered all of them with a one in eight chance of getting any one of those picks. So if two of those picks go to placeholder teams, there is a second lottery. And if you lost in your you know bonus playoff round, congratulations, you now have a 25% chance at winning a top three pick in this year's draft. That could be, and I'm not, well, I'm not going to reference picks that have been traded right now. Like I know there's a myriad of trades that have to be considered, but Pittsburgh and Toronto both have uh, protected picks. And if Pittsburgh, like for example, Pittsburgh's condition is they have to make the playoffs this year. Otherwise, um, their pick can be um, deferred to next year that they give up to Minnesota. Well, the NHL defined this qualifying round as not the playoffs. So if they lose in this round, they did not make the playoffs. And then Pittsburgh can walk away with Alexi Lafreniere. So that's the system. Same odds for the worst seven teams in the NHL. Same odds for the other eight in the draft lottery, but in total, you have um, 23 teams that are being considered that uh, have a chance to be entered into this draft lottery. So, normally, in a circumstance like this, I wouldn't dwell on it too much because the odds are so long. So when I was going off on my Twitter rant yesterday, people were saying, well, what is, what's Pittsburgh's actual chance of um, winning the first overall? They'd have to lose to Montreal and they're like a 70% favor to win. And then that spot, a placeholder spot would have to win one. And that's only 25%. And then they'd have to have their one in eight. And yes, I'm aware that it is a long, long shot at best. But let's not forget if the NHL wasn't so afraid of small odds we would have we'd be talking about the draft in a week the reason that everything got screwy a month ago was because the nhl was worried a team could win the stanley cup and the draft lottery despite the odds being like a fraction of a percent but that was a legitimate concern and they went crazy over it yet they are perfectly comfortable implementing a system where the 24th overall montreal canadians could win the stanley cup and the seventh overall Pittsburgh Penguins could get Alexi Lafreniere. I can't 
stress enough how dumb that is. Long odds though they may be. I understand that, uh, quote unquote, the Red Wings didn't get screwed here because their original draft lottery odds and everything did not go backwards. I get that. I have uh, fundamental disagreement with the draft lottery to begin with because it's a system designed to prevent tanking. But the fact that teams can't get superstars because they finish dead last or second last and pick fourth or fifth overall, it just makes tanking more aggressive and last longer. Anyways, about the draft lottery itself, there are so many other ways the NHL could have done this. I'd have been happier if they said, screw it. We are not doing a damn thing about this. Current seeds one through 15 are in the draft lottery. Nothing changes and then if it so happens the new york rangers go on a run win the stanley cup and then happen to get alexi lafreniere i'd prefer that to this system because the new york rangers winning a cup this year would be an objective fluke okay as good as they're going to be they'd be an objective fluke the edmonton oilers the pittsburgh penguins the toronto maple leafs getting a top three pick changes the nhl You can say one player can't change the NHL. Take any of those teams and all the superstars they already have, add another superstar and put him on a cheap contract for three years and tell me whatever team he ends up on isn't going to run show for years. It is absurd. It is stupid. I do not care about the long odds. It shouldn't even be a possibility. And this isn't even getting into all the reasons about how the bottom seven teams are getting screwed beyond just the draft lottery here, but I'll get to that later. Ryan looks like he's getting antsy, so I'm going to let him talk before I go on for (laughs) another half an hour. (laughs) This is the problem with these kinds of things is like, and I was just thinking, I was like, this is stifling discussion because we're just taking turns like alternating between the two or sometimes three of us when Evan remembers that we're recording. What? Talking <laughs> talking about stuff that is just so straightforward. Here is the breakdown. I'm separating the league into three groups. Firm playoff teams by points percentage right now where the season ended. These are the top 16 teams. If you were going to end it there, that's who's in. Bottom seven teams. They are not in by any stretch of the imagination. The only team to have cemented themselves as uh, not making the playoffs before the season ended ended, uh, mathematically was the Red Wings. But in reality, none of these bottom seven teams were going to make it. And then you have this weird middle eight teams where some of them were actually, you know, fighting for a playoff spot. You you have Florida in there who might have taken it back from Toronto. And then you have like the Montreals that are so far out of it. They had already written off their season. The fan base was already working on their like annual crucifixion of everyone in the organization that they disagreed with only to do the same thing like next year. Like it was written off and th- that's the, the group that's benefiting the most. So, so let's go from the top down. The, um, oh, actually, you know what? There's four groups regardless. The top eight teams, the ones who are getting a bypass this, uh, uh, play in round. Are they getting a benefit? No, I actually think they are, they're being screwed a little bit by, you know, they're not playing any kind of playoff hockey. They're going to come in rusty, but they're also the top eight teams in the NHL, and I don't feel bad for them. And then you have the next eight, which are the higher seeds, and they would have made the playoffs if had they just gone by points percentage. 
they are uh, losing out a little bit because actually I think quite a bit because some of them are being are, are being forced to play opponents who have much improved odds against them uh, when they altogether shouldn't have been playing those opponents and they should have just been in the first round rather than this like play in qualifying round. But how are they being made whole? And I'm going to use that term quite a bit today. How are they being made whole? They're saying, okay, well, um, you're, you have to play Montreal or you have to play the Rangers and they might, you know, own you if Carey Price gets hot or the Rangers continue to dominate you this year, Carolina. But if that's the case, then if there's a lottery pick that goes to one of the, uh, placeholder teams, we'll give you a crack at that. There you go. That's your, that's your, uh, that's your payout there. The eight teams that are not playoff teams, but are not the seven worst teams, what do they get? They get their lottery odds and they get drastically improved chances at making the Stanley Cup playoffs. Not only that, the revenue, the attention, they're playing for the cup. I don't care what you want to call it. This is the playoffs. The play in or the qualifying round or whatever kind of language that they were very clearly using just to steer us away from anger about this draft lottery is the playoffs. Which leaves the bottom seven teams who got jack shit. They have to watch, you know, what is it? Like a, a 24, 25% chance of, it's like roughly one in four for any one of those picks to go to a uh, placeholder team. And if one of those teams is, a, one of those placeholder teams is Toronto. Can you imagine Toronto gets Lafreniere? How much that would piss people off. Not only do they um, get no tangible benefit while everyone else seems to get something out of this garbage pile that has been the world over the last however many months they have no revenue they are not playing hockey likely until january 2021 they have nothing to look forward to no games no plan no attention for them right now there's not anything for that fan base and bill daly tried to frame it as like a oh we want to do this early so teams would have something to engage with their fans with yeah, sure. Run the draft lottery early. If you listen to our previous episodes, we actually agreed with that take that it would be good, but you can't do it and make, you know, Red Wings fans watch uh, Pittsburgh or Florida or Montreal or a team that realistically shouldn't have had a, uh, obviously those teams would have had a shot, but you're going to make them watch these teams walk up and take Byfield or Stutzler or Lafreniere or Raymond. And then, you know, they get bumped down to fourth or fifth or sixth if you're Ottawa. Like it, it's not. There's no make hole here when there seems to have been for everyone else. And is that something to, something to lose your damn mind about? No, Brad had it right. The Red Wings walk out of this the same way they walked into it with an 18.5% chance. That was the reality of the situation. It's just such a tough pill to swallow when for the next 10 months or however many months, you get absolutely nothing in terms of benefit, but it seems like the other 24 teams in the league had some kind of attention paid to that issue. I'll turn it over to whoever wants to. Well, it's like we get our piece of pizza still but if you're one of the first 24 of the kids called in the classroom you also get a chocolate milk but you also get your pizza you also get your pizza and we're just sitting here like what the fuck we gotta go last and we only get pizza and no chocolate milk i i'm i'm rattled i'm no longer eating my crayons i'm getting mad I'm glad you guys touched on it because that was going to be my next point is what is the added benefit? There's, uh, I'm not even going to say uh, a reality. I'm going to say likely we are going to (laughs) go as dismal as it was uh, nearly 10 months without Red Wings hockey. The Red Wings are going to lose a ton of revenue. 
I don't full disclosure. I don't know exactly how much of the NHL's revving share new pro sharing program will benefit those seven teams throughout the playoffs. I, I, so I'm not going to touch on that, but even from a gameplay standpoint, these are seven teams that are not going to be playing anything. Uh, and if you say, well, who cares if Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi and all them play, they're good. We know it. Well, sure. I'll agree with you. Uh, but you also know who else is not playing right now. Uh, Phillips Dina, Mo Sider, um, Philip Pronick, the young guys on the team that you'd want development. Do you know what 24th place Montreal is getting? Let's take a player off there. Nick Suzuki. Great rookie. Do you know what he's getting? Playoff experience. Development. He's going to know what a playoff series feels like against a great team. Even if Montreal gets hammered 3-0, he's getting that experience. That isn't deserved because his team did not even come close to making the playoffs. And again, I'm using him as an example. That applies to many, many, many teams here. The Rangers, Capocaco, he's getting the same thing. It's There is literally... They, the NHL did nothing for these bottom seven teams, and these bottom seven teams needed more help than any of the other teams, hence why they're the bottom seven teams. If the only bone they threw us was, we're going to do a draft lottery and we're going to have placeholder spots, but all those placeholder spots get 1% chance or like a half a percent chance at the lottery just to say they're in, fine. And they just upped our odds 5%. So we'd still only have less than a one in four chance at getting it. I'd sit here and do backflips. Thanks, NHL. It feels like you care about us. We need Lafreniere and our chances just got 5% better. I'm happy. But nope, we had to coddle to the, the mediocre. Remember how our biggest fear in the world when this podcast started was Detroit would become Minnesota and that perpetual cycle of mediocrity that's either just in or just out of the playoffs? Yeah, those, those teams are getting rewarded now. <laughs> Wish we were back there. That's the joke. The, the trick, the joke's on us. We always made fun of them, but it paid off. We should have kept Ken Holland. <laughs> we should have kept Ken Holland. I don't, I'm not getting into the, the tank semantics argument because that was the biggest, stupidest thing that Twitter has been doing recently and whatever talking heads have been on about that. But here, like the thing is like, there is absolutely no path forward for teams in Detroit situation. They stayed competitive as long as they possibly could beyond when they should have to the point where can Holland tarnish a lot of his reputation with Detroit because he was just trying to keep the team competitive at the direction of the owners and to continue a uh, a playoff streak that was not unrivaled. There was longer streaks, but in modern professional sports, one of the most legendary streaks of all time. And that put Detroit in the bind that it's in now. Like you can say, yeah, Eisman should have done this marginal move or he should have done this move or taken this risk. But the, the reality is in today's NHL, Eisenman really had no choice but to let the team fail. He could have tried to trade and move him up like three or four spots, but they still would have missed the playoffs with any reasonable move that they would have made, and then they would have had worse lottery odds. Eisenman did the exact thing that you're supposed to do. And with the current lottery system, I won't even talk about these placeholder picks and you know elite teams having a chance at the lottery, whatever. We've talked about that. But with the current lottery system, there's no path forward for the Detroits, the Ottawas, the uh, the LAs, anything. Like It takes so many cracks at this to, to be rewarded in any meaningful way. Look at Ottawa. The only reason they're going to walk out of this okay is because they mortgaged a future that was arguably the best defenseman of the generation. 
And even then, they got lucky by getting this pick. They only got this pick because San Jose failed spectacularly, and they were too stupid to protect the pick. And that's not going to happen again, because everyone's looking at what San Jose is losing out on, and they're going to use that as an example every time in a negotiation to say, no, this is top three protected, and that is end of story. And then these teams have to be you know, laughed at and pointed at. And, and I know I've said this on the live stream yesterday that Evan and I did and on previous episodes, but I'll say it again. There's going to be a million metrics and stupid talking heads like us are going to talk about just how bad this team is, but there's nothing to do about it. You can't do anything about it because you're constantly burned. Like, yes, you might hit the best player in the draft at fourth overall, but you know what you're more likely to hit where you're more likely to hit the best player in the draft? First overall. The math it's adds not, up. It, it, and Evan's our resident mathematician. It adds up. I ran the numbers. It's- Even if you don't want to guarantee first overall, just guarantee top two, man. Their, their win percentage was in the 200s. 200s. They lost more than seven games out of every 10 they played. It's too hot in here to be yelling like this. I need to take a break. The one thing that gives me hope is the St. Louis Blues bucked a trend last year. I believe they were the first team to win a Stanley Cup in, I can't remember how many years, like a decade plus, that did not feature a top three pick on their roster. They had fourth overall in Alex Petrangelo, but it's further to Ryan's point. It's a superstar-driven league. If you're not picking first or second overall, you're not likely getting a superstar to that draft. It's rare. The David Pasternak's are the exception to the rule. That is rare. To get a guy who puts up 100 points in the 20s. So, the I, I touched on it earlier, but I feel like I should explain it now a little bit more. I understand that this draft lottery format was put in place to prevent tanking. Well, you shouldn't tank for last place because we're not guaranteeing you number one. So you might as well just play it out. If you miss the playoffs, you still get a shot. What in reality has actually happened is teams like the Red Wings. um, Buffalo's been notorious for this. Edmonton for a while, even though they were hitting first overall. But you don't win the draft lottery. You don't get a superstar. You stay bad. And when you are bad, what's the best course of action? to tank so that you can get first overall the following year. So the more years these teams don't get first or second overall, the more years they have to tank and they do until they get it. So they put this system in place to prevent tanking. And the cause and effect is now these teams tank harder and for longer. Because it's not a one and done. Because again, it's it's a stupid, oversimplified cop out answer. What was the first year the Red Wings missed the playoffs when their streak was over? Twenty seventeen. So when uh, the podcast started. <laughs> <laughs> no. So if the Red Wings have one bad draft lottery, and because they weren't at last, but the next year after they go full tank at first overall, get Rasmus Dahlin. How much different does this team look right now with one one extra player, with Dahlin instead of Rasmussen? You know, if the it'd be one thing if the draft was elite, high-end superstars from 1 to 10, but it's not. I don't remember the last time it was like that. So if you're a .27 win percentage team, you need a top two pick. 
Because that's the only place statistically you're going to find a superstar. Yep. And and let's clarify. We're talking superstar. Like superstar. Crosby, Kane, Malkin, Ovechkin, Stamkos, Matthews, Matthews uh, McDavid, Eichel. We're not talking about... Really, really, really good players that you can get third, fourth overall. Like those guys are great and they help you, but they're not superstars. And if that type of player is the best player on your team, you are not likely to win. That's and the, the reality of it. And there's people shouting about Hughes and Pedersen and uh, maybe even people talking about McCarr or Heiskanen. And those are all great points. And the reality is you can't find those every draft and you can't predict where they are because if you could, then they would go first or second so please exactly the odd late bloomer happens or the odd weird exception like i don't know if it's a coincidence but in in relative recent drafts the only two true stars and potential superstars that came out of the top three picks that i can think of both played in the Alston's gone in Pedersen and Pasternak. So <laughs> I don't know if that league just wasn't properly scouted or, or whatever, but funny coincidence there either way. Um, but the reason why Pedersen and Pasternak aren't normally available at five and 24 in any given year is because like Evan said, they're gone at one or two. So if you don't have one or two odds are you're not getting those guys. Cause let's not forget if scouting were, this is a, a heavy oversimplification, and I understand that before I say this because I know it's going to sound silly. Pedersen's draft, um, first and second overall, were Nico Heischer and Nolan Patrick. We know now that Pedersen would hands down go above them. So if scouting was better and saw that, Vancouver picking fifth overall wouldn't have had a chance at Pedersen. They just got dumb lucky. That's all that was, was dumb luck. And I'm not sitting here and saying that if the Red Wings are picking fourth overall, they couldn't get dumb lucky. Uh, if they end up taking Stutzler or Raymond, I, I absolutely see a reality where those guys pop off for 100 points one day. I absolutely could see it. Not betting on it, but I could see it. I don't think even if they do that, they'll be better than Lafreniere. <laughs> but if they do it, great. Then, then if this is the rare draft where there are two to three, maybe even four legitimate superstars... Great, then the Red Wings got dumb lucky. But any system where in order to get good, you have to be dumb lucky is a bad system. There's, you've had a bad habit lately, Brad, of saying things that I agree with so much I need to tattoo them on my body. <laughs> Our historical disagreements are at an all-time low and we need to repair that, which I think we will <laughs> later this episode. You don't want to know the ironic part of this. Uh, we're talking about you know, wanting to reduce tanking or the league wanting to reduce tanking and achieving the opposite with the current draft lottery system with their modified system for this, you know, the, the pandemic playoffs and everything to come of it, this modified draft lottery system that already does the opposite of stop tanking. They have a chance of making playoff teams tank. And I don't want to hear that. Oh, no team would throw a series. If you're Montreal and you are getting you know, like you have virtually no shot at the cup any team can win it any one of the 16 teams can win it before you start to tweet at me i genuinely believe that we saw it with la in the past we've seen it with st louis this is an over this is an exaggeration but if you're montreal and you have so 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 far reduced odds of winning the cup 
and you see two or three of the lottery picks went to placeholder teams and you have a 25% or a 37.5% chance of winning a top three, one of the top three picks, and two of those are Lafreniere and Byfield likely, do you not run into a situation where you have multiple teams doing the cost-benefit analysis on trying to win this like weird, abbreviated, stunted, this might not even happen Stanley Cup? That could stop at any time, depending on the way the 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 wind blows the wind blows in the world. Or do you try to take your your long running core of you know uh, whatever superstars you have on your team to make you a current playoff team and extend it without a break by however many years by landing Alexei Lafreniere? Because all the lottery, t- all the placeholder teams get an equal shot in this eight team second lottery if it happens. Yep. First overall goes to a placeholder team. And then all of a sudden, Montreal's first game of the playoffs, the emergency backup goalie is starting the game. I hope, I hope that if the situation is not that Detroit wins pick one or two, if if Detroit is not going to pick win, uh, win pick one or two, and they're picking fourth, they could pick third too, but I view third and fourth interchangeable at this point. Um, I hope the top three lot the top three picks go to placeholder teams. I do. I genuinely really, 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 truly do. Because I want the NHL to have to like watch its own stupid system play out and watch the teams seethe in anger as Pittsburgh is being given, you know, an additional ten years with not a bad season in sight. Okay. We need to we need to collectively as a podcast here now pick a team. So let's assume the Red Wings pick fourth. What team are we rooting for to get Lafreniere? A, because we don't hate that team. And B, because it would throw such a cosmic chaos into the world and shine such a horrible light on the NHL for this stupid system that everyone will realize that they were wrong if they were defending this. Personally, I'm throwing my hat to Edmonton. No, that was mine. Uh, Edmonton or toronto because we'd have to deal with the leaf fans but i hate toronto so i don't want that to happen i could i like the oilers like in as far as a western team goes if they win the cup this year i'm content i'm happy athens you gets his cup i love mcdavid he gets his cup great i like the oilers so uh i don't think the oilers should get their 19th first overall pick in the last 10 years but if they do after finishing fifth overall in the western conference oh what a wonderful world of chaos would that be? So if first overall doesn't go to the Detroit Red Wings, I hope it goes to the Edmonton Oilers. Not in our conference. It'd be fun watchy, hockey to watch with uh, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Lafreniere, and it would piss off the most people. And that's what I want at this point. Pure, angry chaos. So this is the last ever lottery that we ever have to deal with. If it's not like a chaos team like that, I want these best players to go to small market teams in the West where their coverage would be buried because they're not picked up on national markets a lot and they're not a huge revenue draw for the league. I want, you know, Lafreniere to go to Minnesota. I want Byfield to go to Arizona. Uh, I hope Nashville gets one of these picks. Like, I, I genuinely hope it's the worst possible marketing situation for the NHL just so they can see how stupid this can play out for them. Obviously, Detroit getting Lafreniere is still the preferred option here. <laughs> Lafreniere or Byfield, honestly... I'm 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 jumping through this window to the right of me at the draft lottery on June 26th. By the way, for three reasons: one, Detroit wins; two, Detroit loses and and picks fourth; three, Detroit picks second. Because in my mind, that is just as big of a win. No matter what, I'm going through this window. No, 
no, that it, it second is not first. <laughs> okay, no, it's not as big of a win relative to first. Done the math, but, Brad's correct. No, no, my nightmare. Um, it is as big of a win considering the low place we are right now, right? Like, Byfield has has a chance to be a franchise center. Byfield absolutely has a chance to be a franchise center. Uh, Stutzla and Raymond also have chances to be franchise wingers. Like, I, again, I'll, I'll, I've said it on this podcast a thousand times before. I'll, I'll repeat it. There is a bigger gap between one and two than there is between two and four. For me, it's one or it doesn't really matter to me. Oh, I care. I, I, care. I care. And obviously, you want to control your own destiny. So the uh, two is still preferred to three and three is still preferred to four. But I'm not going to be super rattled between two and four because again i have three players in my mind that i think are very much ahead of the rest of the group plus lafreniere so i mean we, if the red wings draft board looks like mine i'm happy no matter what but uh raymond stutzel and byfield are not lafreniere now um this is a good point to talk about some positivity related to the draft lottery before we move on um we've said it before if you are ever going to pick fourth in a draft, this is one hell of a year to do it. The Red Wings are guaranteed one of Tim Stutzla, Lucas Raymond, Jamie Drysdale, if that's what you're into, Marco Rossi, or anyone ranked below Lafreniere and Byfield. One of those guys at least is going to be there. All but one of those guys is going to be there. If you love Tim Stutzla, but you think uh, Lucas Raymond is right there and you flip-flop between them like I do, Congrats, you're still going to walk away happy. There is a, such a wealth of talent. Yes, the elite, you know, special game-breaking talent exists at number one. Yes, that could possibly also posi- uh, exist at number two. But you might get actual real stars, maybe even more than that, at picks three and four. So the Red Wings, the silver lining here, no matter what, is we can kick and we can scream and we can be upset. But even with their greater than 50% ch- chance odds at uh, walking away with pick four, they're walking away with a great player and probably the best prospect in their system no matter what. And that's that's a legitimate truth. Don't tell me how to feel. That's legitimately all we do, Evan. Are you kidding? <laughs> that's why people listen. No, I'm, that's, that's a joke. Never listen to how Brad tells you how to feel. <sighs> June 26th is the draft lottery. Man, we went from this saga started with uh, the NHL strongly encouraging teams to accept the fact that it was going to be a 57% chance of a Detroit lottery win with a no lower than a pick two to this. The existing stupid system, but somehow worse. What a ride. Um, all right. Very quickly, the expanded playoffs. Brad, do you want to tackle this? It's dumb, but I'm here for the entertainment value. That's my take. Uh, top eight teams get a buy to the first round. So, okay. Um, and then the middle 16 teams, everyone besides the top eight and the bottom seven teams are uh, doing a play-in best of five series um, that is going to determine who makes it to the actual playoffs because they are calling this not the playoffs. Even though they said the regular season is officially over and the stats that happen here aren't going to count towards the regular season or the yeah the regular season. Uh, this isn't the playoffs. The middle school of hockey. Um, 
and then the winners will move on, blah, blah, blah. They're still figuring things out like reseeding, et cetera, et cetera. They're still figuring things out like, you know, those top eight teams are going to play round robin games. Um, is that going to determine seeding? What's the tiebreaker going to be? Um, are they even going to risk playing round robin games or they just want to get this over with? It's a whole thing. So, um, we're going to touch on that more in later episodes. The matchups are actually pretty interesting. Um, again, I think all of our stance here is that if you can do it safely, awesome i'm happy to have hockey back the earliest date that i think they could do it based on the parameters that they set out is late july early august yeah he said there won't be any games before that so and that's the very earliest don't be surprised if this doesn't start till september or maybe even later so uh that's enough news for a whole episode (laughs) so if your brain is not exploding i'm envious welcome to what's next uh today steve eisman did a presser uh he doesn't often have a media availability so this is the first one that he's done since the trade deadline and that was the first one that he'd done for forever since then um the biggest takeaway from that jeff blashill is projected to return as head coach of the detroit red wings for another season they have picked up the second year option on his contract by all rights that's that was the biggest takeaway. All right, Brad. It's your turn. <laughs> so I, I sent out a tweet quickly. I, I was actually pretty scrambled at work today when the news broke. So I wanted, I wanted to get something out in the Twitter sphere to let everybody know I was unhappy, but I, I was unable to expand upon it for a while. So, Let me start by saying, I understand that the Red Wings record this year had almost nothing to do with Blashill because not even Gandalf himself could have got this roster to 25 or 30 wins. I get that. However, the argument in favor of Blashill by saying, well, he's had nothing to work with, so how how can you judge him? is nonsense. You can absolutely judge his body for. He's been in Detroit for 5 or 6 years now. How can you not judge someone who's come in for that long? And you could say he's had nothing to work with. He inherited a playoff team and then went to the playoffs with them. Not good playoff teams, but playoff teams. Uh, the year before he came in, the Red Wings went seven games with Tampa. The year, his first year, they went out meekly in five. Um, his player development track record is my concern. Now, I don't care about wins or losses. Player development is all that matters to the Red Wings for the next couple seasons. I have lots of examples, but to me, Dennis Cholosky has become the poster child for how to not develop a prospect. And that's on Blashill because he plays this stupid yo-yo game. He healthy scratches him. He tells him to be more assertive, but then punishes him when he takes a bad risk. And he healthy scratches him for his bobblehead night. And he healthy scratches him for his homecoming game. And bobblehead night is like a meme at this point. It's And then he's up and down from Grand Rapids constantly. I don't like what he did with Rasmussen. I don't like what he did with Manta. I don't like what he did with Athanasiu. 
I know the veterans of this team, the Helm, Abdul Caters, Nielsen's of the world don't matter, but they've all fallen off cliffs. You would hope that he would be able to at least keep them competitive. My fear now is Mort Sider comes up next year and gets the Cholosky treatment. My fear is that Gustav Lindstrom comes up next year and gets the Cholosky treatment. My fear is Joe Valeno comes up next year and gets healthy scratched for BS reasons like Anthony Mantha would or Andreas Athanasiu would. Um, people were trying to tout uh, uh, Anthony Mantha's development as a success of Jeff Blashill. This Look at Mantha this season, his coming out party. He's the player we all expected. That's on Blashill. I don't know, seven years after he was drafted, I feel like we could have got here sooner with a man... Uh, with the physical tools and talent that Anthony Mantha had. You can say Mantha might have an attitude problem. Sure, I haven't seen a single thing to prove that. The dude literally hurts himself fighting for uh, wins for his teammates, for whatever. I, I don't think it's a character issue with Mantha. With Athanasiu, there was enough smoke uh, going around that, yeah, some things behind the scenes probably weren't going well. This is my biggest concern. Okay, Some people disagree with me. That's fine. Some people go, well, look at what Dylan Larkin has. Uh, to me, I'm of a mindset. Someone with Dylan Larkin's speed and skill is probably going to succeed no matter what. Just saying. Uh, Bertuzzi, fantastic example of Jeff Blashill doing well. No arguments there. Philip Peronic, another example of Jeff Blashill doing well. No arguments there. That's two out of, uh, even if you take Larkin, three out of how many young players he's handled. Not a good track record. Nyquist, Tatar, Shahan all regressed under him. I I'm I have deep concerns there with him. But that's something very hard to judge, so I'll move on. Uh, there were actual stats showing that in the middle of the review craze, Jeff Blashill was the second worst coach in the NHL at challenges. That's fun. Um I'm not even going to talk about the line juggling because that's subjective, but I think everybody gets driven nuts by that. And I'm going to get to my last point. And this is the one that if you take the de- player development out of it and just want to be objective and results driven. Okay, here it is. You can win 17 games in a year and still get a passing grade as a coach. The Red Wings lost nearly 20 games by four goals or more. You could lose those games 2-1, 3-1 with the roster you have and nobody bats an eye. As bad as this roster is, this is still an NHL team with NHL caliber players, or at least half of them. Uh, a really a top 10 first line in the league, some promising youngsters. There was enough here to make these games 3-1, 4-2, 3-2. Um, the amount of 5-1s, 6-1s, 7-1s, unacceptable that that's a sign that either a the coaches in-game management systems are terrible or the team has given up on them for it to happen that often it is do you know how hard it is to lose a game in the nhl by four goals it doesn't happen a lot like if you look at one bad team over the course of a year how many times did they lose by four that number is going to be a lot lower than you think the Red Wings, I think, want to say did it 15 times, give or take, this year. That is staggering. I'm going to do the uh, Brad Crisco thing here, and I'm going to give you a few devil uh, devil's advocate points. Um, and first, I'm going to 
you know, come back at you about the uh, argument that you put forward as nonsense, which is that, you know, you can't properly evaluate a coach if he's not given the tools to succeed. Fundamentally, that to me is sound. You cannot properly evaluate a coach and his ability to make a good team great if he doesn't even have a good team. And then your point to that, Brad, is, well, you know, I wasn't expecting wins out of him. I wanted to see everything else that you could possibly do, the stuff behind the scenes, the player development, the rational decisions, you know, lose by two or three and not four or five, the the line combinations, not sending, um, you know, Cholosky down when he was going to play in front of his hometown when he needed the confidence boost, like things like that. Okay, yeah, fair. Um but what if it's Eiserman stance and we've see, kind of heard about this before where he doesn't quite think that the coach can have any meaningful impact on the team right now as it is. And if that's his position and there aren't coaching uh, candidates who are will- who there are either available or willing to come on board with the Red Wings right now. And, and we'll dive into that later because you guys know exactly what I'm talking about with that then at this point, does it not make the most sense to just in the midst of the craziest time the world has ever seen um, or the modern world has ever seen to keep the status quo, don't have to cough up $300,000 when the entire organization, like every other organization in the NHL is hemorrhaging money and keep them for now and then deal with it later. Because if if you can't pick up any other coach and you don't think any coach is going to move the needle and you think he's doing fine behind the scenes because we can't really see what's happening meaningfully behind the scenes in terms of player development. And then you might point to to regression and say, well, these guys regressed. And and I don't even fully believe this for for the people listening. Like I, I don't quite buy the argument I'm putting out there, but I'm just putting out what I think is a valid argument. But you could say the biggest impact you can have on progression or regression is what uh, comes about based on the teammates or the quality of play that you have. Every single Red Wing is playing with garbage teammates except for like two or three a night right now. So they are all going to suffer because of it. You don't, you didn't see guys like Athens U thriving all the time playing with Franz Nielsen. You know, it just didn't happen. Um, if anything did happen, it happened because they forced it. So if I, if it's Eisenman's position that, yeah, I, I would love if Cholosky was better, but the onus is mostly on him, the teammates that I give him and not what Jeff Blashill says to him in the locker room, then it's almost a wash right now and you almost have to default with keeping the status quo. No. <laughs> and that's the Wing Wheel Podcast. Well, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> no, this is the perfect time to abolish the status quo. Nothing is normal. Everything's going to be different. Everybody's going to be rusty. They're going to forget the systems. They're going to be uncomfortable. So now is the time to change. But here, here's an example. I'll use a, a metaphor about why it doesn't matter what he's given, what tools he's given. If I tell you to build a house, okay, you're going to build a house for yourself. I'm gonna, I could give you a budget of $500,000. I bet you build a really nice house. I could give you a budget of $50,000. That house is going to be a piece of crap. But I would hope that with $50,000, you can at least build a structure that doesn't collapse on itself every time there's some wind. That's not bad, Brad. He took the $50,000 and his roster collapses on itself every time they play any sort of reasonable hockey. 
Okay, but, and I, I'm sorry for continuing to be annoying here. What if you grabbed the $50,000 and half of it was Monopoly money? And the other half was, you know, stolen cash from a bank that the police are trying to trace. What if it's no good to you? You could what, at least- what do the Red Wings have right now? They can't win. The, this is the worst constructed team we've seen in a long time because it's been like 10 years in the making leading to this point. Then you build an outhouse where the shit doesn't shoot back up at you. I would hope <laughs> I hope you could pull that off at least. Dig a hole, put up four walls, and don't fall in the shit. Evan, if you had the choice between uh not you can't hire Ricard Gronberg, um, Gerard Gallant, or Lane Lambert, and you had the choice of keeping Blash Hill or firing him and having no guarantee of who your next coach would be, what would you have done? I'd just keep my coach for now. You can always get rid of them. They don't count against the cap. And you're a billion-dollar organization. Who cares? I bet you that's what's happening right now, Brad. I bet you that's what's happening right now. I I, I have this sneaking suspicion that because either no, nobody wants to make decisions right now because of the pandemic, they can't make decisions right now because of the pandemic, or these coaches don't want to come here, that they can't, can't retain the services of Gerard Gallant, Lane Lambert, who is a playoff coach right now, or Ricard Gromberg, who is still has a year left on his contract with the Zurich Lions over in Europe. I bet he can't do that. And he, they're just keeping what they have now until they have a little bit more wiggle room, clarity, or opportunity. I Watching this presser, and this is getting into tinfoil hat territory. When people, first of all, trying to get uh, information to Steve Eisman is like trying to bleed a rock. Like it, <laughs> it is so funny and also kind of heartbreaking for the reporters when he just like stonewalls them. It's not like he came out and said, yep, 100%. Jeff Blashill is the coach of the future. I We're picking up the option. We're keeping him next year. He's going to be the head coach the whole year. No. He talked like Steve Eisenman, and Steve Eisenman always sounds noncommittal on things because he doesn't give away information for free. He plays closer to the chess and a T-Rex would with a, a handful of cards, and that's the corniest analogy I've ever made in my life. Um, but still, something struck me as odd with the way he was talking about Blashill, and it sounded it sounded like, yeah, Blashill's our coach, but I don't want to speak too far ahead of right now. It took like four pointed questions of, did you pick up the option on his contract? And he then answered, he's like, I don't know the back end of that. You know, he didn't even have a conversation with Blashill about this someone asked him they said did you talk to blashill about that or like uh it was helene st james she said when you talked to blashill about this what did how did that conversation go and he's like i never said i had a conversation with jeff blashill and then helene was like okay did you have a conversation conversation with jeff blashill and eisman was like no like yeah you know uh jeff blashill's the coach and uh i'm sure he heard uh, or, or saw the news and um you know, we, we evaluate these things and we make, you know, team decisions in the offseason. And um, we uh, we think Jeff's done a good job. And uh, like, it, it wasn't like, oh, it doesn't no, inspire confidence. No. And it I wasn't was like we'll definitely get rid ev- of Flash in the future. But everything you just said is all the grounds in the world for Jeff Blashill to not be your coach. If you have no confidence in your coach and you're actively trying to replace him. So if you're, they're reaching out to Lambert, they're gallant, whoever, and they're not getting them. You can't have Jeff Blashill as your coach. You're actively trying to replace him. You don't want a lame duck coach. You cannot put a guy you have zero confidence in, in charge. It doesn't matter. If you are at that stage, he should already be gone. You can have 
that coach, if it means you get another great, fantastic lottery pick next year, and you hold out for for a coach that might be available then, like if none of these top guys are available now, I don't know, man. Like I don't, I, 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 at the same time, like I'm going to be multiple sides on a coin here. I believe Jeff Blashill hasn't been given a fair shake in, in terms of the roster, and I also would much prefer Gerard Gallant, Lane Lambert, or Ricard Gromberg without a question right now. And it sucks because Blashill, I feel like there's a version of him in this team that could have been successful, but it just didn't shake out this way for the Red Wings. At the same time, if he stays another year and it's not for and it's not because they passed on any of those three guys that I just named. Does it really matter? I I lean towards no. Okay, hypothetical. So assuming that <laughs> His voice I'm is going, cracking. <laughs> I'm going off your point that there he's a placeholder. They don't really have confidence in him, but there's a better option. If I could present to you an option where I could get you not one of your first choices, but I could get you a Stanley Cup winning coach to take over this team tomorrow, would you do it? Yeah. Cool. Dan Bilesma. Oh. Already on staff. <laughs> no, no. You can't color Jeff Blasio uh, one way and then not apply this same kind of opinion to Dan Bilesma. I'm sorry. I don't love Dan Bilesma, but I, at this point, I'd at least see what he has to offer. And because, again, and it's not even... It's it For me, this isn't an endorsement of Dan Bilesma. This is off your point of if you are just having Jeff Blaschel as a placeholder, you can't have Jeff Blaschel as a placeholder. Put an assistant coach in there, and I assume if they put an assistant coach in there as a temp, you could put temporary coach on Bilesma so everybody knows the situation. You don't have a lame duck coach. You have Bilesma actively trying to win because, you know, he'd probably want the job. And then if Bilesma doesn't do a good job, hey, Look at this world of people out here. We could hire any of them. Do you think the organization wants to switch coaches now and then switch coaches again? Or do they want their next move to be their last move for the next decade? So here's here's my concern that you didn't really touch on. And I, I do want to mention it. A, your first point actually has a lot of grounds and could be absolutely true. They could just be waiting on Lane Lambert right now. He can't come because his team's there. That is fully plausible. Okay, and with how much Eisman was dancing around, it renders this entire half of the episode moot. But we can't go on that assumption because we need the content. Um, or we do, and it's a full tinfoil episode. Yeah. Or B, they are reaching out to a lot of coaches and none of them want to come here, which is a much bigger problem. <laughs> yeah, that's the saddest reality of all, and it's a non-zero chance of that being the case. Yeah, because... Steve Eisenman and Gerard Gallant are good friends. If he can't convince his good friend, his good unemployed friend, Gerard Gallant to come, <laughs> that might be a problem bigger than Jeff Blashill. <laughs> oh, and that's like the problem with talking about this kind of thing is there's besides what is the coach doing? We can't see 90% of what's happening behind the scenes. And besides these decisions, we also can't see 90% of what's happening behind the scenes. And that's a very real reality that we have to face. And it's boring. And that doesn't make for good, you know, radio. And that's not a good draw. Like Detroit can't attract any meaningful coach. Like no one wants to see or read that, but it could be the case. I was going to bring up that point last Brad, because it's depressing as hell. (laughs) Yeah. That 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 would be the biggest problem. My 
based on Eisenman's press conference and how dodgy he was, based on the fact that this end of regular season window opened up well before the actual playoffs are getting started. I, I'm not going to give it super high odds, but I, I think the Lane Lambert theory has a lot more to it than people are giving credit for right now. Because when the Islanders are finally bounced, I'm going to be keeping my ear to the ground for a few weeks after that to see if anything shakes loose. Because if if Lambert's Eisenman's guy and they are friends, like they have a relationship and he has a glowing reputation on the hockey world, if that is his guy, $300,000 is or whatever Jeff Blashell has remaining on his contract is more is not the biggest price to pay in the world to get his guy. $300,000 was just the buyout. The buyout. So whatever salary, it's yeah. it, let's say he's got 2 million left on his salary. It's expensive, but teams have paid a lot more for a lot less to get their guy. And Lane Lambert's a first-time coach too, so he won't come in super expensive. No, and there is like People might be saying, yeah, there, but there can be movement right now. Like, coaches can move in the middle of the season. Yeah, of course, but we don't really know what the full cohort of rules are for this freeze. And it might be that, you know, Eisenman and Lambert are close. And this is like going full, you know, conspiracy theory. If they're close, they've had this conversation. Eisenman's not concerned with bringing in Lambert right now. And Lambert's saying, look, I'm going to come there. Let me try to win a cup with this team. And Eisenman's saying, yeah, we are in a rush. Like three hundred grand, we'll save that on Mantha's next contract. Like <laughs> Mantha missed for however many games. There's your three hundred grand. We saved it right there, or we made it back. Like it's not, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't want to push it forward. Like Brad said, as as probable, I wouldn't give it a zero percent chance. They, I I just I implore you guys to kind of watch that press conference and watch that clip. I believe that their plan right now and their working assumption is that Jeff Blasio will be the coach moving forward because that's all they can reliably think. I, I don't know. I don't I want to put it out there and all of a sudden being one of those like stupid cold takes exposed guys. But don't be surprised if this doesn't last throughout the season or even until the next season starts, because that's a long time from now. A lot can change. Eisenman was put on the spot to answer something. Eisenman was put on the spot contractually, probably to pick up this option. And this is probably just the path of least resistance forward until they have something more definitive. And that could still be Blashill. But they might still be exploring other options. Uh, answer a question for me that I actually don't remember the answer to off the top of my head. Hmm. Did Iserman sign this Blashill contract or was that still Holland? Holland signed it. The Holland signed it like two months before he got bounced. Oh, okay. So there yeah, you go. I think so- the whole thing was it's not Iserman's coach. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's relevant because, man, it, it's hard for me. To believe a guy with uh, a competitive nature like Iserman come into a new team, see his brand new coach put up a 17-win season in which they're getting absolutely blown off the face of the earth every other game and go, yeah, this is the guy I want. Like, Optic, Blash, I'm sure, I'm, I'll bet money behind the scenes Jeff Blashill is one of the nicest guys on the face of the earth. You probably love to have a beer with him, just a, a terrific guy. Uh... Did not leave a great first impression. Let's just say that. 
And you know what? Like I saw some people attacking his systems and the, the Red Wing systems frustrated the ever loving hell out of me. And they have since like 2017. Um, but at the same time, no reasonable coach is going to try to, um, you know, impose a high powered offensive system when you don't have the personnel to run it. You did see, and I know Brad, you're about to talk about the, you know, high danger chances or, or, or at least exciting hockey systems that we've talked about no, ad nauseum no. on the show. I'm going to talk about one specific example that, it stuck in my head all year and it drove me nuts. Remember the home opener when we were at the power play, when Detroit ran that wheel play with Mantha, the around the box passes behind the net as Mantha's walking into it. That thing was art. I didn't see it once the rest of the season. What the hell are they doing? Brad, you and I, when Mantha had the drop and wheeled around, both of us went, whoa. <laughs> oh my god they're gonna do it pass behind the net mantis coming around the umbrella oh my god oh my oh At like that would have been the goal of the year had hudobin not made one of the saves of the year it was art and we never saw it again man and even the play they set up the preset face-off play in the offensive zone at even strength that led to mantha scoring the game whatever less than a minute left was beautiful never saw it again Oh, what? Brad. Like, I can't wrap my head around that. Brad, riddle me this, though. Who runs the power play on the Red Wings? Bilesma! <laughs> Bam! Jeff Blashill, greatest coach in the NHL. Okay. The, the game-winning goal wasn't even strength! The other the other important points from this presser, because we're going to have so much Blashill and, and head coach talk to come in the coming weeks. Um, huge announcement that would have been its own episode. And any other time, but again, massive content dump. Thank you, NHL. Uh, Eisman confirmed that they're going to name a captain before the start of next season. Now, the start of next season might be six months or seven months from now. I know I said 10 earlier. It's because I can't count. Um, they are going to name a captain. So by all rights, we are going to see Dylan Larkin take to the ice whenever the 2020-2021 season is with the C on his jersey. Unless something crazy happens and I'm not ruling it out. But finally, it looks like they are going to give Larkin the C. Okay, let's have some fun because this is a, a cool and exciting topic, but boring to talk about. Everybody give a name and make a case for someone other than Larkin to be captain. Get weird. Justin Applegator. I knew he's that a locker was room guy. He's been on the team the longest and he knows what it takes to win. <laughs> Um, I think they are going, if you want me to make a case for someone else, I think Bertuzzi is in, uh, if you have to pick someone else, the easiest case. So I'm not even going to go with Bertuzzi. I'm going to go with Mantha here. Mantha right now might have the most talent on this team, like the most raw talent. And if you want a guy who can do things that superstars can do more than Dylan Larkin, and, and this is a point that's been brought up by not actually, I think you brought it up first, Brad, way back is that. Anthony Mantha probably has the most elite skill set. Is he the best overall player? I would say no. But can he be? Yes. So let's say Anthony Mantha turns out to be this elite player, this top winger in the league who can score 40 to 50 goals. You can lock him up long term. It wouldn't be my preference, but if you're forcing me to make a fun case, don't you want to make your best player the captain? Isn't that a fun way to do it? I, I will still argue to this day that when they're both operating at a hundred percent effort that Mantha is a better player than Larkin. It's just that Larkin is 
arguably the most competitive player in the league. So he's he's never getting outcompeted by Mantha, which is why his production in some instances is higher than Mantha, although on a per game level, Mantha did have him this year. Um okay. I'm gonna throw two more names at you for weird underdog captain things. Uh one, Danny DeKaiser, because that would be the most Jeff Blashill thing ever. No, no, <laughs> no, because I mm-mm. you're you're upset right now because you see a reality where that could happen. <laughs> oh, what I talk about unless something crazy happens, I literally had Danny DeKaiser in my mind. I, I didn't want to speak it into this world. I could see it. Uh, another door curse candidate that I actually wouldn't fully argue. Philip Ronick. Yeah, spirited guy. Spirited guy, competitive as hell, uh, plays a critical position, uh, is young, uh, two or three years younger than Larkin, so he'd carry it longer technically, I guess. Um, you could you could make a case for him, not a great one, because obviously, this is all with the context, we obviously know it's going to Larkin, and it should go to Larkin, but I could I could see a case. Um, and just to give Bertuzzi the airtime here, uh, can perform in the top six. Um, fun as hell to watch, tenacious, gives a ton of effort, not afraid to throw down, scrappy as hell, fan favorite. The guy, the other teams hate him. The Red Wings fans love him. That's You kind of want that in your leadership on the team. I actually wouldn't be surprised if Bertuzzi keeps up his performance from this past season for longer if he ends up with an A long term. Yeah, he'll have Abdulkader's A when uh, he goes to Grand Rapids this year. And oh, also- when he becomes captain. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh- <laughs> And also, Bertuzzi's uh, goals-to-teeth ratio is the highest on the team. That is true. Did you uh, know Jeff Blaschel is the third longest-tenured coach in the NHL right now? Sure that's, do. <laughs> yeah, no, but we haven't had a good sample size to judge him. Frig right oh, only John Cooper and uh, Paul Maurice have been coaching longer for one team. Something here is not like the others. <laughs> to be fair, the coaching world has changed drastically over the past 10 years and continues to. Teams turn over coaches like nothing anymore. Long are the days of like 10, 12-year coaches. It's not the same NHL. And yet the worst team in the salary cap era is maintaining the status quo, even though the good teams are throwing their coaches out for losing in the first round. Ye fucking ha! Oh man, the audio, uh, the audio editing after this episode is going to do so much heavy lifting. <laughs> okay, um, other points he made. He talked about uh, Brome, and I'm t- I'm calling him Brome. Usual stuff. He wants him to make the team. Views him as having high hockey sense, being a, g- a good skater. Um, you know, he wants him to make the team as a left winger. Confirmed what we knew about free agency is that yeah, they'll explore options, but they're not. They're going to make sensible moves, and they're they're not going to go out swinging and giving someone a, a long-term max deal when it doesn't make sense for the plan long-term. That's something that anyone with common sense knows. And then uh, someone asked questions about the RFAs, Bertuzzi, Mantha, and um, help me here. Who am I missing? Fabry? Fabry. Uh, you know, hoping for deals with them, but nothing concrete yet. They're still working on term and, and AAV. And this is Steve Eisenman. So those could be done or those could conversations could have literally not started. So that's all fine and good and it, he wouldn't have talked about that if no one asked circling back to the jeff blashill point talking about brome we have a high skill offensive player who's relatively young coming in trying to get a bottom six role who's jeff blashill pulling out for that spot abdulkader ernie helm 
Yeah. yeah I mean, probably two of those guys now. I, I don't know, man. We saw Erickson waved last year. That that was the beginning that of the end. That was <laughs> The only way Darren Helm and Justin Ablocator are not in those spots is if Steve Eisenman banishes them to Narnia, and you know it as well as I do. <laughs> okay, be honest with me. When this pandemic ends, are you punching me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm enjoying the content. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, we're not doing a draft profile this week. <laughs> no, I, no, I feel like we've been going for four hours. We need this episode up tonight, and uh, there's a healthy um, Patreon exclu- or Patreon or, or overtime. A lot of Patreon comments. Before we do that, um, I want to do our contest giveaway. So first is a uh, three tiered giveaway sponsored by um, Everett at Born to Dan Hard on Twitter. Um, we've partnered with Everett on a lot of these things. And this is something he's doing just to say thanks to the patrons for supporting the Winged Wheel podcast. So like we can't, we legitimately can't explain our love for Everett. Um, but it's a three tiered giveaway. Um, three patrons uh, picked at random. You are all automatically entered if you're a Patreon supporter. And, and we like to do giveaways like these where uh, it might have been a surprise to you that you were entered, but surprise you were entered. Um, top prize is a customized jersey of the winner's choice. Second prize is a signed puck from a current Red Wing. And the third prize is a $25 gift card to Vintage Detroit stores, uh, Vintage Detroit's web store. So I'm going to uh, have everyone populated here based on uh, the amount of entries they have. So the tier three winner for uh the $25 gift card to Vintage Detroit's web store is Patreon or Winged Wheel Podcast patron Colin Smith. So congratulations Colin, you win the $25 gift card to Vintage Detroit's web store and we are going to do the tier 2 winner for a signed puck from a current Red Wing. Yeah, that could be Madison Bowie folks. Uh, Ooh. We're going to reset that, randomize this again and we are going to get Arjun Shanker. Oh, he is going to be pumped. Oh, God. Arjun Shanker is probably the only person on this planet with a puck signed by the Three Winged Wheel podcast hosts. That was the worst day of my life. Evan died a little that day. Okay, so now we are going to draw for the winner of the custom jersey of the winner's choice. I'm randomizing this draw here. And we have jake jarvis so congratulations jake jarvis you are the grand prize winner uh and that's not the only giveaway or jersey giveaway that we are doing um we promised that if there's a draft lottery decision we would be giving away a uh jersey same as uh, everett gave away a jersey of a uh, one of our followers choices or one of our followers choice uh to someone on this episode so that is, if you're a patron, again, you were automatically entered, and anyone who follows us on Twitter uh, and retweeted the tweet that we saw. So, randomize that, drawing the name and the Twitter winner for the customized jersey. And this is like not the stupid Fanatics jerseys with the dumb logo. It's like the real out of zero, like authentics, is nathan simcoe so at nate dog three two three congratulations you have just won a jersey of your choice we hope you pick the red wings and if you don't it better be something nice so congratulations to everyone who won we appreciate everything you've done uh, to support the show with that do we have anything else before overtime guys no and are you both alive inside and or outside no absolutely not 
We're going to get into overtime. This is a midweek episode, and this is, um, for those of you who are uh, just tuning in for the first time, uh, overtime on midweek episodes, we make Patreon exclusive because they are the ones who allow us to do this show, um, especially through a pandemic, especially through most of the time a lack of content. You guys are the ones who make it happen. So let's get started. Quite a few uh, comments here, 34. So thank you guys for uh, taking my suggestion and keeping it a little bit more concise so we can get through them. Dead Panda Society says, now for my dumb question of the week. If one synchronized swimmer drowns, do the others have to drown too? If they want to win, yes. Yeah, I mean, if you want to win, that's the ultimate win. Uh, Kaylin Wood says, can I get an F in chat? And that we might need to explain this one to Boomer Brad. I know, but <laughs> I do frequent the internet. Uh, RC Tendy says, I had a super long comment typed out but uh, about how much BS this lottery is, but I'll just keep it short and simple. Ferk you, Batman. Jethro E says, after seeing the NF- NHL draft lottery rules that were put into place yesterday, I'm reminded of Dean Wormer's advice to Flounder. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. You have to be extremely drunk and stupid to think that these lottery rules from yesterday were fair at all to the stigmatized seven who missed the playoffs this year. But it's the NHL, so Ferk the Red Wings always, I guess. I will just sit and cry when we get fourth overall, even though we should be first or second. Moose says, if you haven't discussed, does this return to play process likely let us be able to weaponize the cap as it has been mentioned several times? Still up in the air, right? Like they haven't made any final decisions on that. Nothing firm, but it's not going to be good. I don't imagine they're going to be able to weaponize the cap the way that Eisman would have wanted them to. Tate says, do you guys think we should have uh, we would have seen a different lottery format if some of the bigger markets were sitting in the 24 to 31 position? I'm going to be so pissed off when Arizona jumps up 12 spots to pick first overall because of the Taylor Hall effect. Um, correct on both points, like yes. legitimately correct on both points. Yeah, it absolutely would have. If Montreal or Chicago were a couple spots lower, you bet we would have saw a boost up, boosted odds uh garrett tv thank you so much i have a water delivery coming right now garrett tv says like my parents always told me i'm not angry i'm just disappointed this is why we can't have nice things jokes aside in a vacuum i kind of like this play in and round robin idea i legit wouldn't mind it being incorporated as a part of future playoffs um obviously some kings to work out with seeding and bottom of the lottery but as a hockey fan i think it's worth thinking about for the future if tampa bay doesn't like it we must be doing something right hockey for yeah I liked it. I like it for this scenario. I don't want the playoffs touched at all. Otherwise, uh, when we get back to normal, other than to bring back reseeding and get rid of the bracketed playoffs. Sure. Josh Rosnowski says, me to the NHL. Why are you the way that you are? Honestly, every time I try to do something fun or exciting, you make it not that way. I hate so much about the things you choose to be. Gary Bettman is Toby Flunderson, and I hate him. Chris says, hey, guys, top matchup you're looking to watch in the pre-qualifying. Also, because for the Canadians, I hope they win the qualifying and get absolutely destroyed so they draft 16th or something. Sounds like the Red Wings in 2014 to 2016. Overall, I'm sure you guys are covering any other questions I might have, so nothing for now. Cheers. Uh, one I'm most looking forward to um, is it's a win-win either way. Columbus, Toronto. Yeah, that'll be good. A, if Columbus wins, um, the Leafs miss the playoffs, and that would be funny until they win the draft lottery but it would be funny in the meantime or b the leafs win and walk right into the bruins i'm happy either way uh edmonton chicago because it's going to get a ton of coverage and we get to watch more Connor mcdavid than we're used to i don't want chicago to win winnipeg calgary too because canadian matchups always get nuts 
Uh, Austin uh, Hoiser says, gents, hope all is well, and Brad, sincere condolences on the loss of Demon. Um, as to this shit show of a draft lottery, I have two thoughts, rational and irrational. Rational Austin says, hey, we still have an 18.5% chance at number one, so nothing major has changed. Let's hope for the best on June 26 and move on from there. Who knows? Maybe we still get our chance at number one. Irrational Austin says, Frick this BS. You're telling me that Toronto or Pittsburgh can have a chance at the cup, but they lose in the first round. Yes, it is the first round, not a play-in. Then they may still get the number one pick. Does the NHL need a dictionary? Because I don't think they understand what parody is it's uh, or what it's supposed to mean. Additional, additionally, living in Chicago, I will be livid if the if the Hawks somehow move into the top three because of the lottery system. Um, uh, because of course they will. So after all that, what do you think the chances are the league moves away from this garbage lottery system in the years to come? Move to just standard reverse order of standings or the gold plan? Something. Sorry for the ramble. Let's go Red Wings. Um, they won't. They hate. They well, they know they do believe in parity. They just spelled it wrong. That's a funny joke. That's a really funny joke. Um, my take is that when the new CBA gets uh, sorted out, the lottery system will change. I think they'll, they won't go to the gold plan because the NHL is not nearly fun enough for that. But I think they will go back to something a little bit more conservative, conservative like what they had in the past where you can't drop more than one spot. Uh, Jeffrey Carlton says, I must be a masochist because why do I continue to watch this fucked up league? Ferk the NHL, you can't dangle an almost 60% chance at first overall for weeks and then suddenly say, never mind. I'm done spending spending any money on this league, only his podcast. Bless you, Jeffrey. Unless we actually win, then all will be forgiven. But seriously, Ferk this league. Thanks for all the great content, guys. Been listening since episode two. Sorry about Demon Brad. We'll miss the on-air farts. Let's go, Red Wings. Thank you, Jeffrey, for your support. David McKinstry says, did the league just take the worst parts of every plan people came up with and combine them? Also, I take this means the draft is definitely happening after the playoffs. Uh, yes, and I don't know anymore. Yeah, presumably, but who knows how long the playoffs are going to take. So, eh. so that means the draft is likely in October. Um, that's five months from now. I hate that. I am dead inside. I thought you were about to say you and Crystal were pregnant again. We're going to be doing prospect profiles into the fifth round. <laughs> no, yeah, right? No, if uh, Crystal's pregnant again, I wouldn't be dead inside. I'd be dead, dead. <laughs> uh, Matt McKay says, hey, boys, can we safely say that this is par for the course with what is 2020? The draft seating is a joke. What do you think Detroit will ultimately do with their pick? Cheers. Uh, Stutzla. I, I, I'm just, I'm just going to go Stutzla. That's, that's my prediction. I think their preference, if they have a preference at number four, goes Stutzla, Raymond, Drysdale. I think that's where they're at right now. I could see them liking Rossi. I can see them liking Rossi, too. Eisenman has the Ottawa connection. I don't think that really matters when drafting players, but I can see them liking Rossi, but I can also see them really liking Drysdale. Uh, Jake Nagy says, how does one boycott the NHL while still watching the Wings? I mean... We didn't really watch NHL hockey last year. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, we saw like 50% NHL hockey every game. Um, if Toronto, Chicago, Pittsburgh, and Montreal win the lottery, I will literally riot. At this point, I'm officially hoping we can get Stutzla since we all know we're picking fourth. Cider actually posted a pic of the two of them hanging out in Germany this week. The Deutschland duo is the only thing that can save my spirits now. Or maybe we can make it the Deutschland trio and take Paterka or Reichel at 32. Here for it. Chris Smith says, uh, I'm currently watching the movie Inside Out with my son, and there's a point where the kid is remi- remembering hockey and how much fun it is until her sadness emotion changes it to a sad memory, and that's exactly how I feel right now. Wow, that's accurate. 
Let me get this straight, and I really hope I'm wrong, but the way I understand it is that there's a real-world scenario where Team A and Team H take the top two spots in draft. Montreal defaults as Team A if they lose. Pittsburgh defaults as Team H if they lose. They play each other in the first round. Uh, I mean, the play-in tournament and not playoff. Please tell me I'm missing something, and the NHL isn't as dumb as I think they are for possibly allowing a tank bowl in the playoffs and definitely not the actual playoffs. Um, um, no, not the, guaranteed it, but they would go into the drawing for it. Yes. Yeah. If a placeholder team wins a pick, a top three pick, they are entered into a one out of eight equal odds for all eight teams involved at the losers of the play and draw. And that is run for however many picks of the top three that the placeholders win. Uh, Nick Toyas says, Hey gents, now like you, I'm irrationally annoyed at the lottery format, but I digress. Let's look at the play in games and uniqueness of them. We wouldn't often get a Columbus Toronto series or a Vancouver Minnesota series. And I, for one, am excited to see them, uh, play or exceed. I, for one, am excited to see all the play in series. Uh, I think the NHL got that part right and gave us interesting series that will be all be chippy, grindy games and create new rivalries. Should be fun to watch and hopefully you all feel the same way about it. Yeah, I mean, as far as the play-in format, is it perfect? No. Does it bring hockey back if they can do it safely? Yeah. It's a fun way to do it. Awesome. Don't tell me it's not the playoffs. It's the playoffs. It's all the playoffs. Your bonus round is just playoffs, but that's a different story. That doesn't really matter. Playoffs. Yeah, I know, right? Joseph D'Elia says, hey, guys, so if they're doing a lottery at the end of June, then we have to wait until after the playoffs to do the draft. Uh, Yes. Who knows when that'll be? September, October. What if Wave 2 hits and cancels all the leagues again and all the draft eligible kids don't play a single game? And more importantly, ah, great point. Um, Also, sorry, Brad, about your loss. We had to put our family dog down five years ago, and I still miss her so much. Hope you guys are doing good and hope Mika had a good birthday still. Thanks, guys. It's been a wild week. Brad has had the hardest week out of anyone I know. So, uh, Jeff Martin says, Hey guys, I hate the way the league has decided to run the lottery and most likely screw us out of pick one. My question to you guys is how many guys in this draft do you think are ready or capable of playing in the, at the NHL level next season? Comfortably one. I say two, uh, Lafreniere, obviously I think Byfield because of his size. He's a little young, but yeah, he's got the body to play. Uh, hot-ish take. I could see three guys playing next year, though. Stutzla? I could. I think Stutzla was excelling in a men's league already. I I wouldn't bet on him playing next year, but I don't think it's crazy, dep- depending where he lands. He wouldn't play center. If a team drafted him as a center, he wouldn't do that. No, and I don't think if Detroit drafts him, he'd ever play center. He's, he's better on the wing. Leave him there. I I hate shoehorning players into different positions. Leave uh, them at their strength. Eric Jeske says, just for fun, let's compare the second overall and fourth overall picks from the last 10 drafts. I want to see how often one slot generated the sort of impact player Detroit needs versus the other. Again, I'm curious how many times you think each round generates a franchise changing talent, not necessarily which player is better each year. Uh, so second overall, I'll list the second overall pick and then the fourth overall pick. Capo Caco versus Bowen Byram. Uh, jury's out. Jury's out. That's fair. Jury is out. Uh, Svechnikov versus Brady Kachuk. That's Svech. Yep. Nolan Patrick versus Kale McCarr. I think that's a clear winner for the fourth overall Kale McCarr. That was a weird one, though, because I think we all knew going into that draft, the top end wasn't strong relative to other years. Line A versus Pugliarvi. Oh, boy. Second Oof. overall is definitely better there. Jack Eichel versus Mitch Marner. Yeah, I mean, it's, Mitch Martin is no schmuck, but Jack Eichel is a clear winner there. I mean, 2015 is what I'm hoping 2020 is going to be, where eh, everybody's happy. But yeah, no, it's still Eichel. 
And for Red Wings fans who are upset about fourth, Mitch Marner, like that, Brad's right. You want it to be like that draft because of course you would have wanted Jack Eichel, but Mitch Marner is a hundred point player. So like, that's a not bad consolation. And uh, Mitch Marner is my NHL comparison for Lucas Raymond. Take that for whatever it's worth. Sam Reinhart versus Sam Bennett. Uh, somehow Sam Reinhardt still wins that one. <laughs> yeah, rough. Alex Barkov versus Seth Jones, which is a phenomenal matchup. And I still probably give that to Barkov. I go Barkov still, yeah, but it's close. That's another one where like you're not upset if you have Seth Jones. Ryan Murray versus Griffin Reinhardt. Uh, somehow Ryan Murray still <laughs> wins. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Even uh, in the bad years, second overall still winning. <laughs> Gabe Landeskog versus Adam Larson. I think that's Landeskog. Oh, easily. Tyler Sagan versus Ryan Johansson. Sagan. Sagan, definitely. Victor Hedman versus Evander Kane, second overall oh, pick. Victor Hedman. Uh, for me, that's seven second overalls and three fourth overalls. Thank you for attending my TED talk about why. Uh, about why no, I won't calm down. <laughs> Who were the three fourth overalls? I thought we agreed on Makar. Makar. Um, oh, maybe he put Byram over Kako. Maybe he went Byram, Makar, and then. One of like the weird Bennett versus Reinhardt or Reinhardt versus Murray. Like I, those ones are whatever to me, though. Yeah, no, it's it's nine to one Cameron and Brown, with, with a pot- potential eight to two. But I still bet on Kako. Cameron Brown says if we add up the probabilities of any mystery team and treat them as a single team, the lottery odds go like this. Pick one Ottawa, 25 percent mystery team, 24.5 percent Detroit, 18.5 percent pick two. Mystery team, 26.4, Ottawa, and then Detroit, and then pick three, mystery team, Ottawa, then Detroit. These draft lottery odds were always bullshit. It took a generationally bad team and a totally arbitrary set of playoff rules to bring it to light, but nothing will change because, oh, Detroit fans are just a bunch of whiners, LOL, I'm dead inside. Matt Cheney says, hey, boys, I think despite the situation turning out the way it was, I think I can't be too angry. Like stated on the podcast before, this whole COVID situation should condition us to not expect normal. This is a global pandemic we're talking about here. Did the situation not end up in the wings favor? Yes. Did this decision favor other teams? Yes. But I think we got our own hopes up by only to be let down by the expectations we set by ourselves. I'm going to try to stay positive as uh, despite the draft situation now and the NHL's decision allowing teams to have their cake and eat it too, we still have a good opportunity to draft a great player. Let me know your thoughts. Thanks for the content. And I'm sorry about Demon for you, Brad. Uh, thanks. Um, I stand by the I don't think Detroit got screwed. I stand by the fact that it's absurd. There's a reality where the Pittsburgh Penguins get Alexi Lafreniere. Liz B says, so what needs to happen to get the draft lottery changed? Does someone in the media need to start complaining? They won't. You'll notice every single major name in the media right now. I hate. Like, I'm not trying to rip on them because it's in their best interest, but they carried water for this, whether it made sense or not. And they softened the blow because it's better for them to have this content. Legitimately, it's better for them to have this content. Us included. It is better that we have something rather than nothing. But at the same time, what needs to change is that it needs to be changed in the CBA. That's it. Um, Jared Mello says, I expected nothing and I'm still disappointed, which is another thing I'm going to have tattooed on me. Matt Whip says, why does the NHL frick us every chance they get? Seems like every team in the uh, league is out to get us. Like, suck it up and move on. Anyway, who's your dream player at four? Go Wings, Larks for the C. Uh, Lafreniere. (laughs) Okay. Uh, uh, 0.1% chance. Quentin Byfield. uh, Yeah, that's not likely to happen. Um, I think the top three goes Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzla. So at that point, my pick's Raymond. 
I would take, I think, Stutzla, but it's by a hair over Raymond if we're not including Lafreniere and Byfield. How about you, Evan? I think the top two are all the same, and then it's going to be the Raymond slash Stutzla pick at three and four. Uh, Phil Brown says, so when does the fun start again? Now to change the subject, can we track down Awood and interview him? Yeah, we, like, we're friends with Awood. Uh, he's the, probably the most important content creator in red wings fandom with his videos um i've chatted with him uh with them before about having him on the show so maybe that's something we do long term if they're into it they have to be not everyone wants to come on with us meatheads um he's one of the few things getting me through the barren hockey landscape truly doing the lord's work chin up everyone brighter days are ahead way off over there where you can't see them Harun Khan says, hey, guys, there's legit people online that want Abdulkader and Glenn Denning to be named captain for one to two years until someone else is ready. I seriously don't get how they want that after looking at this season. Anyways, I'm too upset to talk about what uh, what they want or what you guys did. So whatever. Um, I'm super upset with the NHL. Detroit literally did everything right for 25 years uh, and was and still is one of the most popular teams around the world. And we get jobbed by the stupid league. I swear if a playoff team or Montreal gets laugh, I will not watch hockey next season. Whenever that is Montreal deserves to be relegated to Brad's beer league for losing to us four times, but they might win a cup, get tons of money and might get Lafreniere if they get knocked out. What a joke. Thanks for the content. And I pray Eiserman does something substantial in this long off season. Andrew Bohan says sup dub dubs so now we're forked in the draft what are we going to end up with it's going to be fourth unless I misread the rules and it's third no fourth is still most likely because of all the bitching from other markets so what's the best we can possibly do from it also can I get a shout out for my buddy's new wrestling show I've been on it's called four way dance it's a panel show about pro wrestling he's had a couple big guests so far like Chris Van Vliet and comedian John Robertson, as well as a few wrestlers. And I genuinely recommend it to fans of wrestling, not just because I've been on it. Hashtag not a free ad because I'm a patron. Keep up the entertainment. You've gotten me through a lot of hockey drought pretty solidly so far. Hey, man, I'm not into wrestling, but if anyone else is, uh, it is four-way dance. Um, what's Detroit going to end up with? What we suggested before, and, and like Evan just said, um, a lot of that's out of their hands if it's fourth overall. Andrew Williams says, how do y'all with the schedule change for the season and next season? How likely do you think the NHL would permanently is that the NHL would permanently adopt a new regular season schedule, say from December 1st to the finals in August? And secondly, would you be in favor of that going forward? Not competing head to head with the NBA and capitalizing on the void of sports in the summer when the MLB is most unwatchable until you get closer to the postseason. Thanks for the pod. I don't think the players would go for that. No, God, no. Um, it sounds dumb, but there is something to hockey being and staying as a winter sport because a lot of the interest from kids especially is because it syncs up with their own hockey. Hockey's on their mind all the time. Like We're the exception to the hockey fans who think about it year-round. It's uh, your, your average 12-year-old will play hockey up until may and then it's off his mind again till september because he's outside in the summer doing you know kid things outdoors there he's not thinking about hockey so if you're putting playoffs in that point furthest thing from his mind um benji with a really smart point that we hadn't considered before uh so their comment reads poop and our next comment here is Jordan Mills, 22. He says, hey, guys, recently found the podcast and been loving it so far. Awesome work. Hey, Jordan, thank you for becoming a patron. That's awesome. Can't say thank you enough. And welcome to the Dub Dub family. Uh, and any new patrons, I'm sorry if I missed you guys. It's been obviously a blur of an episode. Um, as a Sens fan, it's frustrating knowing that every other team gets some benefit. Fringe teams get a chance for the playoffs. The playoff teams get increased odds at a top three pick. We get nothing. Feels wrong that the teams that need the most help are the ones getting the short end of the stick. Honestly, if this whole situation has done anything, it has 
brought Sens and Red Wings fans together where before we were frustrated that the Senators very fairly had a bigger pick or a better odds at Lafreniere. And now I'm like, I hope you win it. <laughs> like, If not the chaos situation, I hope you win it because you deserve it more than these other schmucks. Um, and so thank you again, uh, Jordan. Stay home cheese bags. The Fournier company says, hey there, fellas, does the league count playoff revenue in the total amount of league revenue shared or do the playoff teams keep what they make? Great question. Not entirely sure, and I'm not entirely sure what the answer would be in this situation. I can't see them not revenue sharing now with these adjusted playoffs because the seven teams are not going to be playing hockey for a long time. Um, the draft lottery should be only be used when seasons are interrupted and an incomplete status has been finalized because right now there's a higher incentive for teams to suck rather than try to compete. Use reverse standings order, do an NBA lottery, but only the bottom three teams do a drawing for first with equal one-third odds. Any team that finishes in the bottom three of the league four times or more within a six-year window would then forfeit their lottery entry to the next team up in the standings. So Blash will be back. Jesus tap dancing in Christ. Please turn the ride off. I'd like to get off now. Osgood for Hall of Fame. Stay home, cheese bags. Last comment here is from Daddy Bettman. Hey, dummies, it's me, Daddy, and I'm here to help clarify the draft lottery since I assume you've butchered it. So what happens is this. In the first phase, all GMs need to submit their MVP votes in the same order as the 31 Arena Zamboni drivers. In the event of a tie, we go to our beloved shootout where an e-bug, can't be the Zamboni driver, comes in and each GM has to try and score on them. Best of five shots. If that's a tie, then we do a pizza toss and whoever emerges with the pizza gets the pick. Okay, phase two. If required, there's a bracket whereby GMs submit their worst contract to Sean McIndoe, Steve Dangle, and Greg Wyshynski, who debate who has the worst four contracts. Those GMs go into a bracket, and then it's a best of three thumb war with the final uh, with the final best of five. It's simple, effective, and totally unbiased. I like that better than what we have now. <laughs> Now for my actual take, I'm saving my anger for if this goes ungood for the wings. Until such point, I'm not expending my energy getting too worked up about another nonsense idea decision from the NHL uh, as it's not going to change anything. No jersey time because you're 33 comments in. Reste des sacs de fromage fraise. Stay fresh cheese bags is what Rowan says there. Oh boy. Is that going to be our longest episode in a long, long time, guys? It's legitimately way past my bedtime right now. Oh, way past mine. I still yeah. have to shower. I wanted to record at 4.30. Uh, you know, we, work <laughs> is a thing, right, Ryan? Yeah, I work till 4.30. Wait. <laughs> yeah, so did I. And then I had men's night. Um, very quickly here, and, and um, I know Brad didn't bring it up, but I want to, um, for Brad's sake, uh, obviously a tough time for the Criscos because they had to put down one of their um, family dogs, Demon, and longtime listeners will know Demon because he has been um, a part of this podcast from the beginning. Uh, we used to record upstairs in Brad's living room, and Demon would not let us escape without farting noisily so bad that I would actually have to cut, like legitimately cover my nose lest I retch. And when they weren't doing that, they were coming over and drinking water, I think just to make noise and not actually drink anything. And if not that, step in their water bowls. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. I think that one was Ollie, but I forgot about that. <laughs> they, uh, Demon and Ollie, and they're amazing boys and they're stupid idiots. And I would want to murder them every episode and at the same time would, would just want to pet them forever. And, um, it breaks my heart that I didn't get to say goodbye to Demon, and it breaks my heart that Mika had to say goodbye to Demon. But you know what? Um, you're all Demon's family, too, and so all your kind messages to Brad. I know um, mean a lot to him, and uh, 
yeah, it's 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 a tough thing, and um, this one's for Demon. That's all I got to say. We're going to wrap up this episode. We want to thank everyone for listening. Um, thank you to everyone who's tuned in through this. Um, if you made it to the end, congratulations. Um, we want to thank all of our patrons. Guys, this doesn't happen without you, whether a new patron, a longstanding patron, or anyone in between. We want to thank all of our name-level sponsors. Um, and emotionally, I love this first name because it just removes any air of seriousness. The septic tank of that bitch, Carol Baskins. <laughs> Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, by Felicia, Dead Panda Society, Brad Smith, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Kayla Thompson, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Ryan Lewis, Langabeer, Clayton Van Dyken, Kalen Wood, Hassam Alkasem, Arjun Shanker, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Josh Rosnowski, Alex Ott, Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Craig Kibble, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, K. Waz, and Stan Olson. Thank you all. Thank you all who listen. Thank you for supporting us. And for better, for worse, onwards we trudge to the draft lottery. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.